Thank you for coming back to another episode on It's a Bames Life. And today I have a wonderful friend with me here. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself, because I'm quite excited to have you talking with me today. I'm, I'm excited as well to be on your show. Um, my name is Judy McCauley, uh, the Reverend Judy McCauley. I'm the founder of an organization called House of Rainbow. Um, House of Rainbow started in my native country, Nigeria, in 2006. So uh, we're pushing towards our 14th year this year, 2020. Wow. So um, I, um, I was born into, uh, of course, an African family, a Nigerian family. I was born in London, but I was raised in Nigeria, um, which is the epicenter of my world, you know. Uh, Very true. And then I grew up in a very conservative Christian family. Um, you know, my father, uh, you know, I think he started his career out as an engineer. He studied engineering and, and now he's a minister of the gospel. Uh, I'm also now a minister of the gospel. I am an Anglican minister with the Church of England. And um, now, of course, I mean, House of Rainbow, uh, started as a project um, uh, to create uh, space for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people of faith uh, to yeah. come together to worship. And, and of course, you know, part of the mission of Hustle Rainbow was to help, uh, rather, was is to help um, LGBT people reconcile their faith and their sexuality. And I think that the, cent the, the central message is that if you're gay or lesbian, you are not an abomination unto God. You are loved by God. Yeah. And, um, so we did have a period of time when House of Rainbow was uh, a fellowship. We provide fellowship spaces. People come together for praise and worship and prayer, you name it. Uh, but um, in the last two years or so, we've kind of moved it from fellowship to creating a circle of faith because um, many people are reconciling their faith and their sexuality and are going back to mainstream churches or, or they're able to find churches that are maybe somewhat inclusive. Yeah. So we didn't have the need to, to, to roll out our own fellowship. And on top of that, you know, I'm, I'm a clergy in the Church of England. I could not serve in two churches, otherwise that would be clearly a conflict of interest. Yeah. So, but House of Rainbow as an organization, you know, continued his work um, to provide safe spaces for people of faith, uh, to help people on that very important and crucial journey of reconciling faith and sexuality. Because there's so many questions about whether or not, you know, God loves you or God doesn't love you. And I have done so many things and I, I'll talk about them as we make progress. You yeah. Know, but I think that the, the, the very root of House of Rainbow is actually to provide that space for people so that they can connect with who they are and who they are, um, particularly people of African descent. And I think it's very important that we shouldn't forget this. Um, the other thing that I've also done is that, you know, I also see myself as an activist, you know, yeah. for the human rights of all people, but very central and focused on the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex, and queer Africans, and indeed anyone else, to be quite honest. But you know, when you when you're in this line of work, you know, it is important for you to narrow down, you know, your focus. Otherwise, you are going to be a jack of all trades yeah. uh, and 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 a master of none. So I've largely focused on the African continent as my my focus indeed and of course you know and myself and my organization have done a lot of work in west africa southern africa 
you know, Central Africa, East Africa. So um, the, the one area that we've not actually done much is actually in the north of Africa. And it's because we don't have the resources. It's mostly Islamic countries. Yeah. So, um, but having said that, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to keep things in perspective in terms of the beginning and the journey. Um, I, I think that, you know, growing up in Nigeria for me, um, I've always known that I'm gay. Mm. I've always known uh, about my sexuality or indeed my sexual orientation. Let's put it that way. Yeah. As innocent as it may be, somewhere between the age of five and seven, I was, you know, I knew. Yeah. But I wasn't clear. I, I didn't understand what it is or what it was. And I didn't have a vocabulary for it. So, yeah. um, I don't know whether it was called gay or homosexual. That was of no interest to me when I was five or seven years old. It was of no interest to me even when I was 13, 14 years old. But I just knew that, you know, I was different. Yeah. But of course, you know, growing up in a Christian environment, as I often shared, is that, you know, you grow up with the Christian values that are impacted on you. So um, throughout my growing up, the Bible study for children, always centers on the heteronormative explanation, the yeah. heteronormative idea, you know, um, you know, God made Adam and God made Eve. So man and woman, and then they become, became husband and wife and then children. And, you know, all of those things were part of my growing up. Yeah. So can you then imagine um, you know, obviously becoming a teenager with hormonal levels like every other teenager and you needed an outlet, you know, for your teenage hormones and, you know, or your ability to um, embrace your sexuality, then you don't, you obviously don't have an outlet for that. You don't yeah. have the intellectual capacity, nor the religious understanding. And then this is when you now think, goodness me, I'm in trouble. But let me back back up a little bit. Um, when I was about nine years old, because, you know, I, I grew up in, in a family that is also part of extended families. Um, okay. Not much on my father's side, but very much so uh, on my mother's side. You know, we, we spent time with my, my grandmother on my mother's side and we stayed in a house, you know, we always stayed with the family and so on. And I remember, you know, playtime um, one afternoon, I was about nine years old. I can't even remember which time of the year it was. And, you know, my grandmother clenched her fist and punched me in the chest and said, you know, stand like a boy. No child of mine will stand like a sister. You know, I have oh. shared this. I, yeah, it was quite painful. I've shared this story a few times. I mean, my, my, my grandmother on my mother's side, I mean, obviously she's late now, you know, may her yeah. some rest in peace. Um, she was Jehovah's Witness, but we were not raised Jehovah's Witness. I didn't think that my mother was raised Jehovah's Witness either, but okay. she was Jehovah's Witness. So I can imagine that if she was alive today, she certainly would not approve of my sexuality. And the fact that she probably knew or suspected something when I was nine years old was yeah. also a little bit troubling because when I look back now, I'm thinking more about the physical pain that she caused me, let alone the emotional okay, pain from yeah. her words. Okay. You know, when you say that, that also reminds me of a time when I was younger, maybe about nine, probably around the same same um, age. And I used to love wearing things like tracksuits and hoodies because I was comfortable. I was also a bigger girl. So for me, and that was a time where like we didn't have all this plus size fashion and things like that. So for me, wearing sweatpants and like a hoodie was much more comfortable and I remember some of my mum's friends would like drag my hoodie down and be like why are you dressing like a boy you know mm -hmm. you're not supposed to dress like a boy you're supposed mm -hmm. to dress like a girl what's wrong with you and mm -hmm. I used to think oh my god I can't even dress in yeah. a way that makes me comfortable anymore it's crazy when you think about it and again just like you I was thinking about the physical pain and when they're dragging that hoodie down mm -hmm. but not the emotional pain you think about that years later thinking yeah. oh my god and I, and I think that what it, what happens also is that they create a lot of uh, conflict yeah you know in in the mind of the young person or even as you grow up as well the conflicts are there 
um, you know, because there's always the right and wrong and then creates a lot of doubt for you as a person who identifies differently as, as an LGBT person. And I think that is where, you know, there is a lot of pain. And the thing that people also don't understand for many LGBT people is that we carry that pain, you know, sometimes deeply wounded yeah. on our own. And, and that pain, you know, I mean, the, the reality with internalized pain is that it comes a time that it will come out. It will manifest itself in different ways. It could then yeah. be mental health. It could then be anxiety. It could be depression. Do you understand me? Because, you know, you bottle up this thing because there's no one else to talk to. You know, there's no one around you that, you know, shares your kind of normal because yeah. everyone sees you as, an, as, as, as very abnormal. And, you know, so that is really part of the work that we do at House of Rainbow to help to people center their humanity and reclaim, you know, the normativity for them as individuals and collectively as a community. So, um, and, and I think that, you know, I mean, childhood trauma is, 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 is a huge problem within, for many LGBT adults, particularly of uh, African descent. Yeah. And, and I think that we haven't even begin to look at how best we can, um, uh, you know, support many who are going through those challenges themselves. But I think that for me, you know, with the work that we're developing and continuing to develop House of Rainbow is also to help families as well, to help families of um, LGBT uh, people, LGBT children, and, and I think that families will, will gain a lot more if they have a better understanding of human sexuality as opposed to listen to what, you know, politicians are saying or what governments are saying. And even religious leaders and, and governments who are same gender loving, who yeah. hide, you know, um, their sexuality in favor of their politics, in favor of the growth of the religious communities because it is very painful. I know a lot of religious leaders who are same gender loving but are in denial. Um, some of them are not in, well, I was used the word denial, but, but at the same time, some of them are, you know, living their life, you know, down low or in secret, but yeah. yet they will always have a message to condemn anyone else that is living their own reality you know, openly and publicly and satisfactorily. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, There's even people who are not even religious leaders. I know a lot of people within the African community who are secretly either living their life or not living it at all. And instead of even like pretending to be with, they're just choosing to be with nobody. They've all of a sudden just taken celibacy and their parents are there praising them and I'm thinking your child is so scared to just tell you the truth that they're actually waiting for you to be buried before they live their life what kind of a life is that and, that, and that's and that's happening to many many people and yeah you know I, I can share a number of scenarios of which are quite true scenarios um in Nigeria for example it's very well known that you know um, if you find out that you're gay or that you're same gender loving, especially the men, um, your first priority is to go to seminary. Um, yeah. Quite a lot of people went to Catholic school, Catholic seminary, because they felt it's the only way. And, you know, if someone decides to train as, um, as a reverend father, you don't question sex you don't talk to them yeah. about marrying women it's just not possible so that is one way you can shut down the conversation you know oh i'm gonna be a priest i'm gonna be a monk so yeah. the issue of my sexuality is shut down but honestly it, it then takes time because you know not everybody is called to celibacy because even if you force yourself to go to the catholic seminary you know you don't stop being you know uh uh, you can't, well, most of the time you, you may not stop being um, sexually active. And yeah. that is where sometimes we experience the problem. And it's also the same as well for those heterosexual men or who wants to have children, wants to have a wife, 
when they force themselves into a priesthood, for example, it creates a lot of pain and problem for them. But I've also, also known many Catholic uh, priests who have then moved from Catholic to Anglican or any other denomination that actually allows them, you know, to live their life or be themselves. So, and that is, that is, you know, we're hearing a lot of those stories. And yeah. unfortunately, we're also hearing stories of, you know, uh, gay and lesbians who are forced into relationship and, and you know, they find their life miserable, they're not happy. Um, you know, I have been in a relationship with a woman, you know, um, when I was very young, probably about 21, 22 years old, I got into a relationship with a woman, um, you know, who later became my wife. And then after seven years of relationship, we separated and divorced. Yeah. So, and of course, this was all done, you know, even right down, um, you know, because we met at church. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we grew up in the church environment. And for me, it was very difficult, you know, for me to maintain um, uh, a level of, what shall I say, uh, a level of denial, you know, in that seven years. And, you know, when I talk about it, I always talk about the, the lost seven years of my life because I didn't think that I was myself in those seven years. You know, I was pretending to be somebody else because, you know, I believe that my culture is against homosexuality. My religion, yeah. my Christian faith is against homosexuality. Everything is against me, regardless of the way that I try to um, uh, shape or manifest the reality. So, and, 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 Part of the problem is that there is a great absence of appropriate, you know, pastoral care and understanding of same, you know, uh, gender loving relationship. And of course, everything that I was taught, you know, up to that point, especially up to the point of me coming out has always been totally against me. So yeah. my, my back was against the wall. So I felt that, look, this is the time for me to turn around and face the situation. So when I came out, it was really the beginning of many other challenges that I will face. But I'm really grateful to God that, you know, today I'm standing tall and proud, you know, and my message is always centered around the fact that, you know, uh, gay, even if you turn it into an acronym, G-A-Y, for me, it means God accepts you. God, yeah. you know, adores you. God admire you. So, and I think that, you know, for many people, we might think that, oh God, you know, homosexuality is difficult. You know, you can't be gay and a Christian. You can be all of those things. Uh, you can have a, a fantastic career. You can, you know, yeah. have a fantastic family, loving environment. But I think that, you know, the elephant in the room is the misunderstanding of our human sexuality. And I think we need to break down the barriers to a better understanding of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, because uh, a lot of families, particularly black African family and uh, black families in general, just do not want to exercise a better understanding uh, of same-sex relationship, you know? Yeah. Uh, no one is an abomination, no one is a freak of nature, you know, uh, no one has been abused, you know? It, yeah. It's not the result of being abused. And it pains me um, when I hear you know, conversations about the fact that, you know, lesbian women are now men haters, they hate men, you know, yeah. or that they've been abused by men. No. And, you, that, know, you know, that statement really, really grinds me because I'm not even a lesbian woman. I'm actually pansexual. So I do like men um, and I like women and I like trans and everybody um, and all of the above. However, the amount of times that I will say to somebody, when I was in a relationship, sorry, my partner is a female, they, they don't even think for a second that I might actually just not, not be even be a lesbian. They just assume and they go, what man has hurt you to cause exactly. you to do that? Yeah. No, nobody has hurt me. I love my mm. partner and she happens to be a female. Mm. You know, honestly, I, I think that the other reality is that, you know, the whole sexuality spectrum has been distorted to the point that um, a lot of people just do not want people to exist if they cannot fit into 
the societal binary of male and female. And there is no doubt about it. If we have a better comprehensive sexuality education, you know, from yeah. when you were a little child to adulthood, it will actually allow and help people to form relationship. And I think that religion has a part to play in that. You know, um, yeah. you know, obviously, if you grow up in any religious communities, particularly as a Christian, you know, you've been taught over and over, God made Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve and nothing else. It, it confuses, you know, people who are pansexual. It confuses those who are same-gender loving. It confuses transgender people. And I think it's very unfair because God is ever-loving, you know, towards all of God's children, you know. I mean, this morning when I was doing my praise, you know, I went back and referenced, you know, Psalm 121, you know, yeah. that says that, you know, um, you know, uh, I look up to the hills, where comes, where, where does my help come from? And verse two says that my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, I mean, if, if, if our help is coming from God who makes heaven and earth, then where are the LGBT people within that heaven yeah. and earth? You know, Sammy, I was suddenly outside of heaven and earth, you know, we came from a completely different planet, completely different atmosphere. And that seems very unfair. The other thing I also wanted to say is that, you know, a lot of families, particularly parents, you know, listen to religious leaders who help them to make decisions about their LGBT children, which I think is very, very unfair. We have seen, you know, terrible circumstances and decision making that's yeah. affected the lives of young people and you know let me just put the um, the lesbian gay bisexual children to one side just for one second yeah. now imagine um when a pastor says to a family you know who's going through many different challenges like maybe the parents became unemployed you know yeah. an elderly person that died in the family and then they go to uh, a religious leader or even a witch doctor to go and make inquiries about what the problem is. And then there is a child in the family that is always sick because they are a sickler. And yeah. then some of these religious leaders will turn to the parents and say, this child is the witch that is causing all of this problem. And I have, I have a serious problem with that. I've been, I've been told that I'm that child. You know, and you see, this is terrible. This is, this is terrible. They, they want to blame you for yeah. everything. And we're talking, I mean, honestly, okay, I'm an adult now. People can want to, want to blame everything on me, but how about the child, you know? Exactly. Let, let, me tell you, let me tell you one thing, because I'm going to tie this up with the, the LGBT, LGBT children or person. Now, here is this child that's been blamed for every catastrophe that's happened in this family. An innocent child that probably can't even muster a few words or sentences together, is being blamed for many things. And then that child's life is in danger in that moment. You know what I mean? There is the physical assault, the emotional abuse, you know, the neglect, and sometimes even the sexual abuse. Now, yeah. imagine this child has been labeled a witch, a wizard, and sometimes in certain communities, whether it's in Nigeria or even in the diaspora, this child could actually be forced out of the community. In the UK, if a child is labeled a witch or wizard within communities, you cannot take that child to a birthday party. You cannot take that child you know, to any community event because your family is already being labeled. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So now imagine the trauma of the child now, when you then look at the issues around sexual orientation and gender identity, it complicates things because, you know, we've been told that, you know, we're an abomination. This is from the demonic spirit. You know, homosexuality is witchcraft. Yeah. And I just don't understand all of those things. And, and unfortunately, you know, families, particularly parents, have been so blinded by religious leaders that tell them that they're innocent, you know, LGBT children are witches and wizards, and that is wrong. And that is also part of the work that we do at House of Rainbow to change the narrative, to change the way that we are pushing these, you know, um, narratives of abuse and condemnation, you know, against your own children. I mean, no parent, particularly mothers, that carried that child for nine months 
should be told that their child is a witch or wizard. Seriously, you know. Um, the, the closest I can come to uh, another similarity and example is I was watching a documentary uh, on Madagascar. Uh, there is actually a tribe in Madagascar, and I'm talking around about this time, 2020, that women in this particular area of Madagascar are not allowed to have twins. I'm thinking, wow. yeah, in 2020, great healthy twins, the women are told to abandon those children, give them away. And, you know, some of the women are protesting. They're taking their children and leaving the village, saying, no, okay, I'm not, I don't want to be part of this. And, you know, and there are generations of, you know, of twins in, in Madagascar altogether. You know, I was watching this documentary and there was a twin who was a medical doctor, you know, treating some of these village elders, you know, who do not like twins. You know, it's crazy. Just, and, so, and then just, you have places like Kenya that celebrates them. Because I remember watching a documentary of the yeah. opposite where they celebrate and they actually have a day in the year where all the twins come together and they celebrate and they're actually seen as a gift to the family yeah. when you have two. Do you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, that practice was still um, practiced in Nigeria until, I think, the late 1960s, where wow. women were not allowed to have twins. Seriously. You, sometimes you have to think, you know, how, for, how long will you carry on saying this is culture when it's humane yeah. in itself? You know, how can you give birth to two healthy twins? And then say this is an abomination. It's a, our our ancestors don't like this. Yeah. How can they say that's that's the one thing that really annoys me sometimes when I'm talking to family and they say that's just our culture. And I say, that's not an excuse. You know this is wrong, therefore don't do it. Irrespective of your culture, that doesn't make it right. You know, you can have a gun license, does not give you the right to shoot somebody and kill them. And saying that is your culture. Exactly. That is just our culture. We're allowed to have guns. That doesn't mean you can kill somebody. And I always tell people, put it into perspective before you start saying something. You're blaming it on culture and you're doing nothing to change it when you know it's a problem. It is a serious problem. I think that, you know, sometimes we, we hide behind culture, we hide behind religion, yeah. we hide behind the pulpit of church in order to you know, make hate speeches and hate messages. And then we say, God is speaking. You know, yeah. God doesn't speak condemnation on God's people. You know, God doesn't speak, you know, go out and kill them. Because the message we, we send out, you know, from the pulpit and from religious communities are actually messages that people hear, they act on it. You understand me? And I completely agree. Yeah, if you're telling families that their children are an abomination, then they would treat those children like an abomination. Yeah. You understand me? So I remember um, years ago, my mom used to watch, you know, on like Sky and Virgin, they have these um, Christian channels that you can watch. Mm -hmm. And you have some of these pastors, Africans, Americans, different ones, very charismatic people that are shouting and really like they're sweating from their head to toe when they're talking <laughs> the sweat is like unbelievable they're like you know holy ghost fire and there's people in their church and you can physically see them they are pushing them to fall and people will still believe that the holy ghost fire pushed them I'm like did mm. you not just see the force that was used against that person's forehead yeah. to, to say that it was prayer and yeah. the times that people would sit there and you would have this pastor saying, there is a lady watching this right now who is trying to have children. It is your mother-in-law that is tying your womb. You need to, put, you need to, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, this is being broadcasted internationally, let's start off with. Yeah. So definitely there's a woman who is looking to have children, who is desperate and wants prayers. And now you've just gone and told her the mother-in-law is a witch. Your husband is the one tying your stomach. Your first daughter that you gave up 20 years ago is the one tying your stomach. None of these people have anything to do with it. How about you actually go and get medically checked? Exactly. And, and I think that is the problem. And I think that unfortunately, until those who go to church, you know, also find a way to educate themselves. That is why, you know, at, at House of Rainbow as an organization, you know, we 
provide this training that we, we do annually, which obviously with the new normal that we're all facing now, we're able to provide those services more frequently online, yeah. where we begin to look at what the Bible really says in favor of same-sex relationship and also begin to break down the myth, you know, around human sexuality. And, and I think that, you know, part of that, that training and also the, the, the pathway is also to educate families, you know, that their children, whether they're LGBT or not, whether they are able-bodied or have disability, whether they have Down syndrome or the autism, yeah. they are a marvelous and precious gift from God. Exactly. You know, so and you, we also have to say to Christians as well, God does not give us a burden that we cannot bear. But when you refuse to bear the burden, then you are rejecting, you know, the powerful, you know, test from God. Because honestly speaking, I mean, I, I shared this this morning in my devotion, you know, I was talking about, you know, the test has to come before the testimony. You know, your life will be a mess before you have the message of hope. And sometimes people just do not understand that. They do not understand that. And, um, and one of the other reality is that, you know, if you're digging for a well of clean water or spring water, you have to start on the hard surface through to a muddy ground and you dig and dig and dig until you get to that very clean, clear spring water, you know. So that's the same philosophy with life as well. You know, sometimes we have to go through, you know, many challenges, many storms. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, God does not give us a burden that we cannot bear. And, and I want to I emphasize that as well, you know, for families, for parents, you know, and, um, you know, for LGBT people as well. But there's one thing that I also need people to understand is that no matter what the circumstances is, especially when we're talking about human sexuality, you know, you are not alone. Yeah. You are not alone. You are not going to be the first parent with a, a lesbian child or a pansexual child or a gay child or a transgender child. You know, they, you know this, you're not the first ever, you know, this has happened even before we knew, you know, how to document or how to identify. But I think that the, the part of the, our problem is also what I have always called religious homophobia, you know, religious discrimination against the LGBT community. You know, so, and, and you know, I've always also campaigned and advocated that LGBT people do not need to leave their churches. You know, we just need yeah. to work harder, get more educated about these issues, and then find ways to even bring our pastors and our parents to the point of our own understanding and education as well. We've seen yeah. it done before. You know, there are parents that have become very, very inclusive and welcoming of the, of the different people in their own family. You know, the fact that parents are not throwing out, you know, well, I wouldn't say that for every uh, Down yeah. syndrome child or every autism child. You know, some children are rejected and it's just because a lot of families or parents just know that they can't handle it. They can't. Yeah. For whatever reason, whether it's because of shame in the society or because they just don't have the mental capacity themselves, you know, to, to bring up um, a, a child with disability. You know, the same approach as well goes with LGBT children when they are rejected and abandoned. And, you know, and when we start to unpack what are the reasons behind this, it's always, it's not always about the, the parent or the, or the guardian or the carer themselves, it's about what other people would think. Yeah. Or it's about what the church would say, it's about what the pastor said. And to me, none of those ones are relevant, you know. If a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender child is accepted in their home, I mean, the sky is the limit. The exactly. world is the oyster. Because, I mean, if they are not accepted at home, then unfortunately they're going to travel across town to look for that acceptance and that could be more dangerous. Yeah. I completely agree because um, I see it a lot. I mean, I'm, I was kind of lucky in a sense that even though at first my parents were not very accepting, I was already very independent. So it was a bit irrelevant to me. So at the point where they were like, oh, you know, we can't have this in the family, I told them, well, 
that's you don't have to accept me but I'm still going to be living my life and I think once my parents saw that I continued to live my life they were like so she's really just going to live her life and just carry on and not even bother and then they they came back to me and said no we want you back in the family and I said that's fine but not everybody has that has that opportunity unfortunately I think if I was still living at home at the time I probably would have kept quiet because I would have to think about if I get kicked out tomorrow where am I going to go do I have enough money in my savings to rent a place to book a hotel for the a few days to see what's going to happen what charities are available to me as well and that's another thing that I also think like think places like House of Rainbow um there's a lot of people who don't know that there's there's places out there that can help them mm. i know that you guys might not provide shelter for some people <laughs> but you may but you may be able to like if they even knew that house of rainbow was there they may be able to contact yeah. you and you would be able to tell them to go to x y and z and i think that's that within the i will say just the uk for mm. now within mm. the uk i find that that seems to be quite a lot of problem a problem in itself is that vain people who are also LGBTQI plus don't know where to look for help sometimes. Well, I mean, I think, you know, in, in, in context with House of Rainbow, um, I, I focus on before the coronavirus, you know, we, yeah. we have, um, well, we have an office space. We still have the office space, but of course we're going to be thinking about how we use all of our spaces moving forward. I yeah. think that the first thing is that, you know, we have a, a, a drop-in. People can yeah. drop into the office, you know, Monday to Friday between nine and five. And sometimes uh, we have events in the evenings, you know, uh, organized events in the evening. I think we have some weekly, we have some every month, uh, you know, uh, social circles, film nights, circle of fate. And yeah. these are LGBT people you know, primarily LGBT people of color, you know, black people that come together and we share those spaces. And of course, you know, we have other activities that we do, um, you know, periodically, like we have a summer cookout, you know, where once a year, you know, we bring people together, you know, we share food, we share conversations, we have play time as well and look after each other. And of course, every year we go to Pride, you know, the main pride in London and also the UK Black Pride as well is also part of our activities. So, but having said that, you know, um, um, you know, the, 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 the programs that help families and children are often one of those ones where we have a one-to-one, -one, you know, with LGBT persons or with family members or parents. Um, we've done workshops, not just in the yeah. UK, but also in Africa as well where we focus on what the Bible says on sexuality and how families can actually reconcile and understanding. But, you know, we also know that the challenges are not just for the family, but for the communities as well. You know, um, you know, if, if, a, if a lesbian woman or, or any LGBT person uh, is not following a particular line of normative um, ideals, Questions will be asked not just of the LGBT person, but also of their parents as well. So exactly. uh, when is Jide getting married? You know, everyone oh, else my is God. married, but when is Jide getting, Jide married? getting married? You know, all of those challenges are there. I mean, for people that want to uh, access the, the services of House of Rainbow, uh, we have a website and we're also on social media. It's the same name, House of Rainbow, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we also have a website. And I think that, you know, I mean, if people can find us online, they can always contact us and we can always include them also in our broadcast list as well so that they can yeah. get up-to-date information near instant uh, uh, level. So, um, but I mean, the reality is that, you know, um, as much as we are here to provide services to the community, we also believe that this is also the age and time that people can use some of their own tools, you know, like, of course, a smartphone, yeah. uh, go to Google and search. Um, I, I guarantee you that if you search, you will find House of Rainbow in one of the top listings, 
you know, of organizations in the UK or indeed around yeah. the world, you know, that provides services for uh, LGBT people of faith. Many questions are asked, you know, but we're ready to help people, you know, um, as far as we can. Definitely. I, I definitely agree with that because um, I first heard of House of Rainbow when I went to Black Pride, mm. like three, three, four years ago, and I was actually representing my company that yeah. was sponsoring, that was one of the sponsors for Black Pride. Mm. And that's where we first met as mm. well. And I thought this is, this is so great that there's actually like a space for this. My only hurt is that you guys are not in Bristol yet. So I'm still waiting. <laughs> you, know, you know, honestly, I mean, when, when we listen, House of Rainbow is on a journey. And, I, and yeah. I'm sure that we recognize that many successful organizations, when you start to ask questions, how long has this organization been around? They probably tell you 20, 30 years. And, you know, Part of the challenge of House of Rainbow is that we're also a faith-based organization. And when it comes to religion and sexuality, you know that the challenges is going to be multiple. So yeah. even funders, you know, because we're faith-based, we're not, funders are not interested to fund many of our work because, you know, one of the work that I believe that House of Rainbow should be doing is a radically inclusive mission you know, yeah. around the world. So it, it would be very easy for us if we have funding, you know, to come to Bristol and do a workshop on what the Bible says and then do a fellowship and a service and then, you know, develop a chapter. But we yeah. also need people as well. We need people to join us. We need people to come along and show interest in being part of a creative leadership. I'm here. This. I'm organization. With Thank you. Honestly, we need that. And that could actually lead into starting a group in Bristol. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had opportunities as well that we've lost. You know, there were opportunities for um, Leeds, for Birmingham. We still have a group in Manchester. But again, because of coordination skills and so on, that one's fallen to the side. But, you know, the guy who is leading the group is still holding on. Yeah. But, you know, not all of us are born leaders, you know, exactly, or yeah. we not all have the skills of coordinating. But nonetheless, I mean, but, but I think that the other thing that we're also trying to do is to think about a very simple format. Because if we're asking people, what do they need now? A lot of people need information to yeah. understand that being gay or lesbian, bisexual and transgender is not against God. If we can provide those answers, it's helpful then we can then provide the space, you know, where people can fellowship. There are many, many organizations in Bristol that can give us space, you know, yeah. even at a reasonable cost or at no cost. And yeah. then I think that, you know, if we focus on doing something on a reasonable level, maybe every two months before it rolls out into more frequently. And, but one thing that I'm also very proud of House of Rainbow is that, you know, even though the very primary um, intervention is supporting people to reconcile their faith and sexuality, we have gone beyond that yeah. because we know that the human needs are much more. Does that mean we have provided services like sexual health, um, support for asylum seekers, you know, support for families. We're continually developing more interventions. For example, it's it's been on the development for years now. I think it's from four years now that we've been having a conversation about safeguarding LGBT children from abuse. And we're yeah. talking about children under the age of 18. I mean, you know, how can we provide the services? We're also going to need to work with families, work with community leaders, there's some trained church leaders, you yeah. know, on the impact of abuse on families that have LGBT children. You know, I mean, you know, the, 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 some of the... the I wanted to say simplest, but it's not that simple. But one of the things that you can do to an LGBT child in your household is to emotionally abuse them. Yeah. Directly or indirectly. I mean, let's assume that, you know, um, of course, Jide is like 10 years old and he's effeminate. Yeah. You know, and, and a parent or a carer in the house says, you know, I don't like effeminate children. I don't like effeminate. If any of my children turn out to be gay, I'm going to kill them myself. You already killed that 10 year old child there yeah. and there because they'll be so afraid, you know. But if you 
have the education and have the knowledge and you say, oh, if any of my child is effeminate and gay, I'll be happy with that. You are going to allow that young person in your household to grow up. When they are ready, they will come to you. They will remind yeah. you the date and time that you said that is okay for them yeah. to be themselves. And that is part of the affirmation, you know. And, you know, and, and of course, if you're continuously, you know, beating or hurting a child because of their differences, you're also damaging them, you know. Yes, very you're true. Damaging their self-confidence. You, you know, you're putting them at risk because they will not be able to be themselves at home. And we be, I mean, look at this lockdown that we're all feeling around the world. You yeah. understand me? During this lockdown, many people still cannot be themselves in their home. And I think that's frightening just to even think about it, let alone we're seeing it all over the world. I know? completely agree. And that was one of the reasons why I started this podcast during the lockdown. So I mm. wanted people to understand that you're not alone. There are many people who are facing the same challenge. Even for me, even though I'm quite lucky in the sense that my family still accept me, things like that. I mean, I'm house hunting at the moment. And, um, you know, on Facebook, you can have many groups that you join. So on this group, I made it very clear. I said, you know, I'm a pansexual queer woman. I'm looking to queer person. I'm looking to rent either a one bed flat or a room in a, in a property. And the reason why I said my sexuality was because I don't want to live with people who are homophobic. So if you are homophobic, I don't care how nice your house is, if it's next to the office that I work in, don't message me, just, you know, keep scrolling. And within a few minutes of me posting that, somebody then posted on the knee, why do you need to tell us your business? Why do you need to say what your sexuality is? It doesn't matter, X, Y, and Z. Now this happened in the middle of the night, so I was already asleep. I didn't even notice the message, but so many people commented on the knee saying, because of people like you. She clearly doesn't want to live like with people like you that completely discount who she is. Then, honestly, I love that story. That is amazing. You know, honestly, maybe the best time to post a message is in the evening when you're going yeah. to bed and then you go to sleep peacefully and then you wake up. I mean, I have, honestly, I think that what is crucial is the defense that you experience from others. Exactly. And none of these people are people that I know because it's just a a group. So all the people that were talking under under my status, I didn't know any of them. So I only replied this morning, thanking them openly on the forum to say, thank you for defending me. I I wasn't even aware that this was going on. Mm -hmm. And from that, somebody else has messaged me saying, I've got a place you might be interested in. Or I know somebody who um, has a room coming up that's available or who has a property you might be interested in. And, mo- and some people just ignored him and said, this group is obviously not for you. You need to leave, not her. You need to go. Yeah. And he kept quiet. He didn't make any more statements. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I had an experience as well. You know, I mean, social media has its, its, its good and bad side. 100%. Well. And one has yeah. to be quite mindful of that. But I think that, you know, there was um, an, an exhibition that has been promoted to take place in London. Um, I think it's October or something like that. It's still coming up. So um, so it was a, the Black Businesses kind of like exhibition. So October this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be yes. at the Olympia. So, yeah. <laughs> so I posted, I said that is this Black Business you know, uh, exhibition is a gay friendly um, because before we start buying tickets, you cannot yeah. believe the people that came down on me like, must you bring your sexuality into it? You know, must it be this? Must you know what? I, I responded back to almost every yeah. single one of them. I said, you know, the reason that you call the black business is because it is black business. So I want to know if the black business is also accepting gay businesses or accept gay people and will not discriminate against, you know, people say, no, it's business. No, say, no business is not business as usual. Yeah. Seriously, we've got to be clear. And honestly speaking, I have to admit that a lot of people came to my defense yeah. um, in, in this uh, dialogue that was going on. And of course, there were a number of people that were also extremely homophobic. And, you know, for me, I just believe that we need to challenge people, you know, 
to broaden their mind and broaden their understanding. So, I mean, it's always good to know that there are people that are also beginning to have the understanding, the boldness and the courage to speak out for yeah. people like you and people like me. And I think, to be honest, that to me is superb. I'm, tr I'm truly and honestly encouraged by that. Exactly. I completely agree. And sometimes we have to call people out in front of others and say, should you really be saying that? And I've started doing that with my, even people that I would have classified as my friends. Mm. And sometimes I think because we want to be, we, especially within the BAME community in particular, and like then being LGBTQ plus on top of that, sometimes we have friends that are homophobic, but because we want to be, we want to belong because we've been so outcasted from such a young age that we still keep those friends even when we're out yeah. and I've started to tell myself at the beginning of this year I said you know what I'm not having anybody that is toxic towards me anymore so if I have told you 10 times not to say something and you are still saying it that means you don't actually care about how I feel our friendship is not important and it's time for you to go and we have to go our separate ways. And I've become so brutal that I'm now surrounding myself with people who genuinely care you and know, love you know, for you me. Know, you know, the reality is that you cannot please everybody. Exactly. You actually cannot love everybody. And let, let me give you a scenario of mine. Um, I'm very mindful of my use of social media. And, yeah. um, you know, so I, I have my own policy, which I think many people really have the same but it's actually zero tolerance. Yeah. You understand me? And I can give you a drop down list. Zero tolerance of homophobia, any form of discrimination, any form of racism, misogyny, toxic masculinity, zero tolerance. And I will speak up as soon as I see one, you understand me? But I've also been mindful to say to people, when I put something on my page, on my page, on the Judy McCauley page on Facebook, this is not your page, for you yes. to comment derogatory, to challenge what I'm putting out there, you know, it, it's only one way. If you do not support it, move on. But if, exactly. if, you, if, you, know, if you have something to say, put it on your page. Exactly. I'm not going to see it. And I don't have any reason to see it. You know, so I mean, let your followers comment yes. on how idiotic you are and how <laughs> foolish you are, but not on my page. So, and the other thing also that I've also learned is, you know, never enter into a dialogue with a foolish person. Very true, yeah. Seriously. And the reason for that is because at the end of the day, nobody will know who's the foolish one because both of you have been going forwards and backwards. So, I mean, again, with social media, for my own peace of mind, it's very simple. Someone comes on my page, maybe they got there by mistake, okay? <laughs> you drop your garbage and everything. Honestly, once I've read it, I don't even spend a second to reply. What I'll do is I'll delete the comment because it doesn't fit here. Then I will block that person so that they don't return exactly. back. Exactly. And it's just, it's just sometimes you got to like, you got to pick your battles as well. You got to, yeah. money, you know, also protect your own well-being, your mental health, your anxiety level, because it's really easy for people to trigger, you know, some of the things that you actually don't want triggered. Exactly. Um, and yeah. like you said before, you know, um, you can Google anything and, and find answers. Sometimes I think people want people within the LGBTQ plus community to teach them everything. I'm not a teacher. I didn't train to be a teacher. I'm, you don't see me in a classroom. You know, I work in the <laughs> finance industry. I'm, I keep people's money. That's my job. <laughs> I'm not here to teach you how to be a decent human being. Mm -hmm. Google it. Google it and see what the, the internet says. Do you know, I mean, the, the one thing that I've always appreciated is when people come to me and they want to learn, they seriously want to learn. And, um, but there's also a level of learning. You've got to, you know, do some of the work yourself. Exactly, you know, yeah. So, I mean, you, if you're doing a program of studies, you have to go home, read, study. Then you come to lecture, listen to the lecturer. But if you don't study, you're going to be far behind because what the lecturer is saying is going to be foreign to you. Make sense. Because yeah, you have not, not done sense. your own homework. 
to familiarize yourself with the subject matter itself. Yes. So I feel that there is a need for people to learn. There is a need for people to, I mean, not everybody can uh, will approach this in an academic way. Yeah. That is why you also need to listen. You need to find communities. I would say like House of Rainbow where, you know, we can come together when the time comes again that we can do so and have group discussions about certain topics, you know, yeah. and, and whether it be on social issues or on religious issues or financial issues, we can come together and talk, you know, in creative ways. That is why I'm very proud of our once a year events of um, uh, summer cookout, even though it's all about food. You know, people say come together and have conversations. Um, you know, we don't know what we're going to do moving forward, but we're thinking a lot about many things. Yeah. Um, you know, once we are at a place where we can manage the social distancing and, um, yeah, you understand me? I think it's probably more likely going to be next year. I yeah, I think everything this year is not really going to be happening. You know, to come out to anything this year. Um, you know, because we're already, um, what are we now? But I think that, you know, I mean, for, for the purpose of our conversation, I think that it is necessary, you know, that people are mindful of their communities, whether it's virtually or in person, because I think yeah. it's, it's important, you know, our well-being and our mental health is very, very important nonetheless. I agree. Mm. Definitely. And I think that um, people need to, use this time wisely and yeah. even though we can't um even though we can't see each other on a physical level right now or even if we did we can't touch each other because obviously of everything that's going on now is a good time to actually sit down and start educating yourself in in so many different ways i don't mind somebody reaching out to me and asking questions if you genuinely want to learn but i need to see that you want to learn Hmm. don't just be asking me silly questions well I, I think that you know part of part of learning is also when we build communities and we we, we bring people together yeah. um one of the things one of the key areas for me because um a couple of people have challenged me quite recently and it's actually a good challenge um you know uh, they said to me Jude, you're sending so much information uh, about what you're doing, but it looks like they're all for men. Yeah. Whoa. So, and that's true. That's true. Guilty. And I think that, you know, when I go back as well, because I've often said to myself that, look, you know what? There are events that we can do for women. We can have a program for queer women of color. Yeah. You know me? And queer women of color includes, um, any queer woman that identify as female, right? So yeah. that whether it's a lesbian, bisexual, or trans woman, or non-binary, pansexual, yeah. just I mean, women, period. Let's put it that way. So that actually would be things like TB, uh, no, LBTQ, I like that, yeah. you know, uh, women. So that's one thing. But I think that, you know, one of the things I've always said is that for House of Rainbow, you know, we particularly, our hope particularly is for women within House of Rainbow to take the lead, yeah. you know, on what it is that they want to see. So, and then, of course, I'm, I'm going to come back to you to challenge you on that one as well, because I think there's probably about four queer women that I know that I can put in touch with each other and say, you know, is it possible for us to come up or for you to come up with something that you need to do or you would like to do, especially during this, like, um, this, this uh, lockdown? Because it would be great to have a program that focuses on the well-being. We can, maybe, I don't know. I mean, you tell me what it is, you know, uh, for queer women of color, because I think that is lacking. I've not seen anything so far. I, I, don't, I agree. I, I, I haven't seen anything. I've seen a few things for women of color in general, um, mm. but not for women who are within the LBGT um, community um, yeah. itself. So I, I would like to see something like that. And I would love to be part of something like that to say to women that you, you can be 
pansexual, queer, yeah. lesbian, and you can be successful and your mental health and your well-being is important and your feelings are just as valid as everybody else's feelings. Mm. And we definitely do need to do something to actually promote that because there are so many... The thing is, as well, with women of colour, there's so many barriers that we're facing, you know, yeah. trying to make it in the workplace. And then you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community as well. Mm. It's, it's hard, you know, and that's coming from somebody who works within a very white, male-dominated field. You know, there's two black women in my office and we have the whole bottom floor. So you can imagine how many hundreds of people and there's just two of us and then she's straight and I'm not. But I've made it my business that whenever there's something to do with LGBTQ plus people within my workplace to put myself forward, even if it does mean that I'm going to put, I'm going to have a bit more of a workload so that people will know that yes, there is somebody out here because I'm sure in another office site somewhere else, there might be somebody else who's feeling the same. And I'm, I might be reaching out to those people. And I, and I have had feedback. So yeah, I would be definitely up for that. And mm. whenever there's anything to do with the LGBTQ plus community, all the time, I will put my, I will put, I've started putting my name forward because I know that in another site somewhere else, there might be a woman who is facing the same trials and tribulations as me. And Absolutely. since I've started doing that, there have been people who will email me and say, thank you for coming out. I had no idea that there was somebody else like me. Yeah. There, so I, I, there, there yeah. are people. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, think, I think that th this is very good. And I think that it will also help to build a relationship with House of Rainbow and this platform yeah. as well. Um, you know, we, we've always had um, a WhatsApp group for uh, uh, LBTQ women, um, which is largely inactive. Yeah. And it's because we didn't have anyone to drive that particular uh, platform and forum. Um, we have actually quickly got to have a look. But I think that, you know, what we can do is that let me have conversations with others you know that i'm yeah. thinking of right now and then i can then put a small working group together and say you know take it from here and to yeah. be quite honest you know my role in all of this will be to serve you know the women not to decide for you but once the women decide what they want i don't i will also be like the administrator you know today this yeah. is what we decided go ahead and do this and I think that, you know, because we're moving on to very digital stages in our lives, do you understand me? It is very possible, you know, that um, we can maybe start with a Zoom community. Uh, exactly, yeah. I, I don't want to, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to say some things that I shouldn't even be saying. <laughs> but, you, you know, no, you decide. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving things out, then I'm, no, no, yes. let me just stop there. But I think that, I, yeah, let me just put, let me just put the people together and then you can then have conversations about what is it that we need, what is it that is necessary. Because, you know, many things affect all of us as humans. And I think yeah. that, you know, um, there is no doubt that some of the recent programs at House of Rainbow has largely impacted me as an individual so if it was the gay men's forum if it was the people living with hiv forum or jiddy is benefiting from it but yes. you know we've got to have to begin to think outside of that box to include others and i think yes. that is very very important i'm glad for this conversation because it actually sets my mind on thinking in a radical way and, and, also, and I think we should put that out to people as well who are listening. And if you want to be a part, obviously get in touch with either myself um, yeah. on my socials or with yourself on your socials. And we'll plug those in at the end so that people and we should start creating this community. And when eventually we can go back to having what was classed as normal, some parts of it, you know, the bit of meeting um, up with each other, then we've got a really strong 
team of people and followers that will come to it as well so we'll know that the we've hit the ground running almost and we can do the legwork while we're still in isolation this conversation with you i just love the same with you I just love how relaxed it is that we can just <laughs> dip in and out of different things and it doesn't feel like it's been programmed and things like that but i mean in terms of social media um we do need social media now more than ever yeah. before um so house of rainbow is pressing on instagram on facebook and on twitter and we have a dedicated website as well so all of them is house of rainbow um and um people can find us and of course you know once you get to our website or social media you will definitely find information with our phone number and the email addresses uh, i don't want to go through that i think the simplest thing is to follow us on instagram uh facebook and twitter and you you will be able to connect with us and of Fantastic. course you know um we 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 launch um what is called the lockdown support that is actually yeah. generic it's for everybody and we're now beginning to look at how can we find you know resources and funding at this time so um in, in next week and the weeks to come i'm going to we're going to be working on uh funding application to see what we can do uh, to support our communities and of course i'm glad that we talked about lbtq women yeah 100 percent. and yeah. um yeah for anybody who wants to either come on um, my podcast and talk to me about their experiences or what they're doing within um the bame the lgbtq plus um community obviously all my socials are it's a it's a bame's life and yeah. that is on twitter instagram facebook and then you can also find me on mose isi um which is my instagram page which is m-o-s-e underscore i-s-s-i-e mose isi so you can find me on that as well on twitter and that as well uh, you can't follow me on my personal facebook page because i don't really use that page so there's no point. There's no point in that one. Exactly. Actually, one, one thing I think I better quickly plug is that yeah. um, look out for information on what the Bible really says in favor of same-sex relationship. It's coming back in June. Um, I believe it's going to start on the second or third week of June. I'm not quite sure, but do look out for that information. Um, you know, and I would like to say that yeah. if you haven't done this do it because i found it absolutely fantastic i've done it the Thank first you time so i will Thank be there you. again I was, I was also going to drop a caveat to it it's actually going to be chargeable this time people have to pay for it and but of course we do have scholarship uh, yeah. that people can apply for and and hopefully they will meet uh, the criteria and they will get the scholarship thank you fantastic thank you guys so much for listening obviously if you have any questions anything that you want us to talk about any anybody that you feel that we should get in touch with um you can also email me at it's a bames life at gmail.com so yeah thank you guys for listening again reverend jude thank you so much for coming on i've absolutely loved talking to you and i know this is not going to be the end of us talking anyway no not at all absolutely and, and, you know, honestly, it would be good. I mean, even if it's like a short comment or certain things yeah. are happening, we can always come back and say, oh, Jide, you know, did you hear what's going on in Cameroon? What are your thoughts? And exactly. so on. Just to make sure that the communities everywhere know exactly. that we are supporting them and we're listening. And thanks 100%. for the podcast as well. We need more. And yours will be very special. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a lovely day. Bye.